Since 1972, Braun Industries has been a custom ambulance manufacturer focused on safety, quality, and innovation. Each Braun module is unique well beyond the chassis it's built on. With six ambulance models, limitless features, and all customizable options, let Braun assist you in designing the perfect custom ambulance to suit your needs. Learn more at www.braunambulances.com. Is your fire department prepared to face challenges like the turbulent economy, recruiting and retention, and funding? Level up and get the training and strategies you need on the issues that matter most at WAVE 2023. Featuring ESO Training Academy on April 11th through the 14th, 2023 in Austin, Texas. ESO, a leading provider of fire RMS and EPCR software, brings together national industry leaders, quality training, and experienced fire and EMS professionals for a unique conference experience that will inspire you to drive change within your organization and prepare for 2023's challenges. For a limited time, our listeners can use the discount code FIRETRUCK to save $100 on a full four-day conference pass. Don't miss this opportunity to learn from some of the nation's top experts in emergency services. Visit ESOWave.com to register today. That's E-S-O-W-A-V-E.com. See you in Austin on April 11th through the 14th, 2023. This podcast is brought to you by Flex 7 from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, empowered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Welcome to the Command Show. Starring Anthony Castros and Brian Brush. Well, hello, everybody. It's uh, Brian Brush. I'm uh, helping out Chief Castros today on the Command Show. Uh, we're going to get rolling. Um, pretty excited about tonight to be able to bring on my buddy, Chad Costa. He's an assistant chief in Petaluma Fire Department, just made the transition from battalion chief up to assistant chief. So he's making the move from, uh, from the shift level up to the organizational level a little bit here. And uh, we'll expand on that at some. But um, more importantly than his position in the Petaluma Fire Department now, uh, Chad and I grew up together in a small town in Northern California. We've uh, really kind of been ra- born and raised together, not only um, as kids, uh, but into work and into the fire service and share a lot of the same background. So I'm pretty excited to have him on tonight to talk about kind of where we came from, uh, where we're at and where we're going, not just in our professional careers, but also in uh, the w- world of wildland urban interface. Chad is a a member of the Cal Fire Incident Management Team 1, and as we're heading into the uh, wildfire season this year, we're going to be talking about all that is uh, ahead with a very, very active fire season uh, on the horizon, already very, very wild in uh, New Mexico, and uh, kind of the command implications of that. Uh, before we get moved on to Chad, his department, um, also 
uh, the command show. I just want to say uh, congratulations to my fire department. Uh, Friday night, um, our firefighters were dispatched to a house fire with parties trapped. Uh, upon arrival, first two engines stretched the line to the front door, popped the front door. Uh, live fire layout had a victim unconscious just inside the door. Uh, we're able to remove that victim, get them to care, uh, initiated by the driver of the first two engine, transfer to EMS. And uh, that uh, woman is alive today, uh, still undergoing care at the hospital because of the quick actions of, of very aggressive and active firefighters. And I just can't say enough about my department and the pride I take in uh, and them executing. So we'll now move on to Chad. Chad, welcome to the show. Let me make you live here, bud, and, uh, and say hello. Yeah, right on, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me. This is uh, an exciting opportunity to, uh, to kind of catch up and talk about, you know, the changes that we've seen. Guess what, 23 years now, it's, it uh, time flies, doesn't it? It does. It's it's kind of crazy. You know, I, I talk back to, um, you know, I, I often bring up us growing up in, in Forestville. And uh, for those of you who think of uh, California as a very large place, it is. Uh, Forestville is a town about 2,000 people. And uh, we came into a fire service where they still allowed high school volunteers. So Chad and I started as a group of high school volunteers. Our kind of peer group of high school volunteers was, was five of us. And uh, there was a paid driver, a paid captain, a paid chief at the fire department. And if they got a call, our pagers would go off to high school. We'd head down to the firehouse uh, from the high school. We'd get out of class, jump on and ride tailboard for the department. So a pretty exciting way to get out of class and, and kind of get started in the fire service. Uh, and it just, man, it just set us up for success. I mean, I probably some of the stuff isn't allowed today. I think I remember being 17 years old on the roof with you, Chad, cutting a hole. And, um, but it, it certainly gave us a, a head start on the fire service that engaged us at a very young age, set up us up with some great mentors, a great work ethic. And looking at that group of five high school volunteers that, that we were working with, um, you know, four of us are career firefighters now. So it, it, it definitely worked. So uh, then I, I just think highly of those days. And, and to think that that was, you know, 1996, seven, uh, eight, nine, when we started transferring to Cal Fire, it's, it's a long time ago, but still, still fresh memories. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, at that time for me, yeah, I really wasn't sure what my future was going to be and what direction I was going to go in. So just having the ability to be surrounded by, yeah, what, what we would, what we call our family, you know, and being surrounded by a family of people that cared about you and were there to uh, to kind of point you in directions. And I got off track a few times, and I'm just blessed to have a few people that, you know, smacked me around a little bit and got me back on track because, uh, because that's that's what I worry about about my kids today, you know, is, is the decisions that they're going to make and the path they're going to take and, you know, having that volunteer experience or the Cal Fire experience, you know, the seasonal stuff is, is, uh, <clears throat> is so beneficial to, to at least giving you a direction and point you in the right path to, uh, to do the work. And I think the second thing you said was work ethic. Um, I truly believe that success in this career is, is focused and centered around your work ethic and your, your morals and your ethics. And 
when you have those three things, you know, good things will lie ahead. Awesome, man. And uh, Chief Castros was able to uh, to come on and, and join us. He, I always asked him if I can pick the guest, and he said yes. And I, I don't think at the time he knew I was picking somebody that I, you know, grew up with and Shoot, man! I mean, you were the you were the best man in my wedding. So you know, 19 years ago, you were you were out here in Oklahoma um, when uh, when Sarah and I got married. So Chief Castro, welcome to the show. Are you there, Chief? Maybe we lost some chat. Are you still there? I'm here, buddy. Okay. All right, well, I thought I made Chief Castro's live. I gave him a, a, an opportunity to jump in, uh, and he missed it, so maybe he'll come on again soon. So, Chad, kind of, you know, looking back at, at Cal Fire when, when we were a part of Cal Fire, uh, still kind of very forestry-rooted, uh, seasonal work. Um, you know, when I think of the campaign fires that, that we went to back then, if you were on a two to 300,000 acre fire and, and back at the time, mainly, you know, 200,000 acre fires, it was, it was a big deal. Um, but now, you know, we've seen in the last few years, and, and you would be more familiar, but uh, these fires approaching six, seven, eight, and even a, a few of them to the, to the extent of 900,000 acres. What, I mean, you've been in California over the past few years. You've been out west. You just talked about how you traveled to New Mexico. You know, what are you seeing in, in response and just just shift in approach to these incidents um, in your, you know, 25 years in this business? Yeah, I mean, great question. I I think we could probably talk for a couple of days about, you know, the changes and the approach um, adjustments and just the mindset and the way we handle this, I, <clears throat> I think the biggest, so if I stick to the operational side, you know, the biggest thing for me is um, we just have to expect the worst. Um, you have to be way out ahead of things. You have to, what we used to think was, you know, we'd, we you commonly ask the question, you know, where's the fire going? Where is it going to get? When's it going to get there? And I can tell you from being smacked around pretty hard in the last few years, you really, really got to double or triple that, that mindset. Um, the fire growth is, is explosive. Um, what I've seen is a focus more on evacuations. You know, we talk about the Kincaid fire, it's branch three on that fire, the fire that burned into Windsor, Larkfield area. Uh, in 2019, you know, it, it eva they evacuated 90,000 people from, uh, you know, for those who aren't familiar with Sonoma County, that's, you know, Sonoma County at that time is about 190,000, so 90,000 people got evacuated and moved out of the way. So, so just operationally, the mindset of, you know, get people out, get them out early, um, and expect explosive fire growth that's going to double or triple what you might have expected, you know, 20 years ago. And um, I think operationally, that's probably the biggest change. Uh, we've, we saw something in, in the August complex. Um, you know, I had the Kovalo branch. There was, I think at one time, four teams, four type one incident management teams on that fire, which went over a million acres. 
you know, a west, a north, an east, and a south. And that's just incredible to, to think about. Um, you know, type 1 incident management teams, whether federal or or state here in California, are, are pretty well, you know, they're well-oiled machines that can handle a lot of, 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 I would say, risk, a lot of size. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty incredible group of people. And to think that a fires are getting so big that you need four at once to handle the geographical area is just, it's, it's pretty hard to wrap your mind around, but, um, but there's a I lot think, of change I mean, and I a lot of positive. A, I think that that's a big thing. I mean, there, there's, there's certainly a, a, a large, swath of the American Fire Service, if they're on one incident that has a type one incident management team, it, it's it's pretty impressive. You know, be it a flood or a or a tornado or um, just any type of event, a domestic terrorism event collapse, something that, that you're you get plugged into that one incident management team, it's impressive to see ICS at work, but you know, I, I can recall going back through some of these classes where they talk about area commands and, and these types of things. And I mean, that, that is something that I, I truly have seen in the last couple of years, but that you, you guys working in these incident management teams are almost pushing what, what we thought before were, were limits of, of IMT and, and ICS. And it, it, it's just impressive. For sure. So, you know, I, I talk about, uh, you know, you, you being a part of um, the incident management team, but, you, I mean, you're also part of the, um, the fire engineering community. You, you've written some articles for fire engineering. You brought up, uh, you know, talking about the evacuees and understanding that. Um, but, you know, we started off with the operational stuff, and we'll kind of get back to that a little bit as far as uh, resources and stuff. But uh, one thing you you wrote about was um, kind of being in a position of leadership during these events. And, you know, as we talk about these incident management teams having to work together, um, you guys working with, uh, with crews. And I mean, once again, the fire season is just being extended uh, longer duration incidents. You're, you're talking about how fast these are growing. So your, your successes are limited. Uh, I mean, how, you know, take some time to kind of expand on the challenges of, of leadership, not just in the management side, but the, the human side of, of these events and, and kind of your path to that from back in the day when we were a firefighter getting shuttled around the state and at times working 30 and 40 days in a row. Yeah, it's so so let me try to wrap wrap this up with, with one kind of lead in statement. Um, I believe that the operational leadership uh, of these IM teams, IMT teams, or or just anybody out there that's you know has a has a leadership role in the world we live in, specifically with with wildfires um, or or at least the IMT responses that you mentioned. One of the things is is do you have to be a good operational firefighter, and do you have to understand tactics and strategy and Yes, but what's even more important is your ability to connect with people from all different places. I mean, you see people from different countries, different states, all different walks of life, and then you add into that 
the emotional side of a lot of these people have been, you know, away from their families, um, assigned to incidents for an extended period of time. You mentioned not a lot of successes. I'm here to tell you they're they're hard to find some days, you know, um, as you mentioned. And so when you throw all that together and you really, really look at it, you got to be someone out there that is just uh, very flexible, I would say, you know, very flexible, very understanding. You got to be able to communicate with people in all different ways. And to me, that's, that's what makes the best of branch directors, the best divisions, the best strike team leaders, so the people that are out there that can leverage the strengths and weaknesses of, of the people that they come across and just really understand the human side. And, and really, um, I, I think it's less important to, to be solid on the tactics and strategy side, which is, which is, to be honest with you, I would have never said that 20 years ago. Um, but, but I've found that my success is, is, is more about how I deal with people and work with people and, and just am real and, and understand that everybody's, everybody's got a little bit different situation going and we're all struggling in some way, shape or form. And then, you know, as far as these, these fire seasons and things, and, um, you know, I, I, as we talked kind of pre-show about your, your movement from, you know, being a battalion chief to now stepping into that assistant chief role and, and moving into the office and, and working at the organizational level. Uh, once again, back to the, you know, the early days of this. And I mean, I won't say the early days, but, but the, our early days of it, when we were firefighters on out-of-county assignments for, you know, the volunteer fire department or for CDF, um, you know, they, they would stretch what they would, would stretch. And, and certainly I think Cal, California Department of Forestry or the U.S. Forest Service felt like, those incidents were their incidents and, and they would cut local resources kind of as soon as possible. But um, be it California, New Mexico, Arizona, um, Colorado, you know, when I was up there with, working with West Metro, the, the engagement, the enroll, the um, dependence, uh, the commitments from municipal fire departments to these incidents is, is absolutely growing. And I think some from outside would say, well, you know, why are you sending city departments to these incidents and, and, and taking those resources out? Well, as you brought up the fire in, in you know, in Windsor and in, in Santa Rosa, the recent fire, the Marshall fire outside of Broomfield, Colorado, um, these are more urban than they are wildland incidents. And I think that that's something that, that is some parts of the country aren't familiar with that. Uh, they they may start in the you know they may the ignition point may be the wildland but they're transitioning into areas where the population density is is greater than 2,000 per square mile they're burning up Home Depots and apartment buildings and uh, really it's, the, these become conflagration incidents and I think that that's why these cities feel that commitment I'm certain certainly that that Petaluma does because they could just as easily be in, in open hills but. What kind of pressure does that put on your agency when you're you're still trying to accomplish the goals of Petaluma Fire Department, um, and you have this four now six month period where you have resources out on these incidents? Yeah, I mean you hit the nail on the head, man. It, it's uh, every department in California is struggling with this. Uh, we are 
absolutely. And, and you throw into that COVID, so there's no relief in the wintertime. Um, you know, I, I think that's, uh, you, you know, you summarized it pretty well. The reality is, is that we're having a lot of, a lot of fires and Cal Fire and U.S. Forest Service can't, can't handle it all. I mean, you got a million acre fire. Um, one of the big changes that I've noticed on incidents is it was kind of, it was kind of common for there to be one or two divisions that were fairly busy or active. And then there were other divisions, most of the other divisions weren't quite as active. And, and what we're seeing is just that explosive gro- growth in all directions, a lot more than what I was used to. So the resource needs, um, as you mentioned, with fires burning into communities, the resource needs are just much higher. And we often have, at a management level, have that discussion. I mean, we're having it this week. We have it all the time about, hey, we're heading into wildland season. You know, our crews are burnt out. They're burnt out already, you know, from last season, from COVID for the last few years and covering all the shifts behind people out on sick. Um you know, what kind of commitment are we going to have? And it's really it's really a difficult line to walk because I have the mindset of it's hard for me to to not go help some other community that, that needs help, but then when it's my community that that needs the help, I'm, I'm begging for help. So I feel like it's kind of one of those obligations for the California Fire Service is to give because your day is coming. And any for the most part, you know, any department in this state, the way things are burning and the way things are, are going right now, you know, you're kind of foolish to think that that it couldn't be you. So there is an obligation. And, and one of the things that I'm noticing is, here's a good example, is um, I'd like to do a recruitment right now for entry level, and I'd like to get some more people, you know, we have some vacancies. Well, if I started it right now, you're talking about a, you know, September, October Academy, um, and trying to do an Academy that time of year is just extremely difficult on the organization because of wildland fire season commitments. And so, you know, we're pushing that back a little bit, which is an effect on the organization. But those are those kind of decisions that you got to make is how much, you know, how much are we going to commit? Um, and then how is that going to affect the organization and everybody's, everybody's being affected because the troops, you know, are burnt out. They're spending, I've had multiple people that, that spent a lot of time out of County in the last few years come to me and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of done. You know, like I, I really don't want to go out this year. I want to spend more time with the family um, emotionally, you know, psychologically the impact is, is substantial and it's also affecting the agency, but circling back, um, you know, it's a tough line to walk because when you say I'm not going to commit to helping others, you know, I just worry about that day when it's when it's me that needs help like like we have here in Sonoma County so recently. It's really changed our mindset by by seeing our own, you know, my own house being evacuated, my own community getting evacuated. Um, it's really changed my outlook and how I – how I manage the department. Um, I think if you look back to when we when we started, and it was like uh, strike teams and large fires were were when you were driving long ways away. 
You know, you spent a lot of, I looked at 2003, um, the 2003, almost all the fires were in Southern California. There was only a few in Northern California. It's kind of like, that's where we went. We went to SoCal when, when October, when it was windy and, and now it's changed. You know, now it's, now it's everybody's coming up here and when it's threatening your own town and your own communities, I think there's a bigger obligation to give, but a tough balance not to burn out all your members. Exactly. There's kind of two things in what you just touched on, but I'd, I'd rather kind of, uh, before I get into the recruiting part. So, you know, talking about that, um, you know, it, when you and I were in the fire service and we were assigned to Sonoma Lake Napa Ranger unit, um, the joke was that we were, we were at slow Noma. And then I, I remember, I mean, we, the big incidents, we either went North, South or, or up into uh, the Lake Tahoe area. Um, but as of, you know, late Sonoma County, Lake Napa have had some really significant incidents and in that the, the, you know, the, area has shifted around as it does things burn and, and then there's they move around but um you know you, you've talked about it and I, I believe in your article or just in other times i've discussed it with you um when your members are on the rigs and their communities are being evacuated especially you know santa rosa fire Paloma fire the sonoma county fire service uh went through that and you know i certainly we experience it here you know, in Oklahoma with, with tornado warnings and stuff, um, they're, they're very quick um, in warning and quick in, in duration. But how did you manage that manning-wise, or I shouldn't say manning, staffing-wise and resource-wise uh, when, when your firefighters' houses, neighborhoods, businesses are, are also being threatened? Well, one thing I've found out since, uh, you know, 2017 was an eye-opener for me, you know, the tubs and the LNU con the complex here in the county that burned down a lot of people that we know as homes and family members and firefighters' houses. Um, the resiliency or just the, <clears throat> the coming together, it, I was expecting it to be very difficult, but what I found was that when that fire hit and, and the all call went out and um, I think the message got around, I think all of our members, um, I don't have the exact numbers, but it was, it was almost, it was overwhelmingly the whole department pretty much came back um, that, that night um, or that next morning. And I was, I was just unbelievably impressed by that and everything that we talk about the firefighter and what's in your blood and why you do this job, you know, it was on full display. So to be honest with you, when the fires uh, are in the County and there have that emotional connection to a lot of our members, it, it felt like um, it was easier. Meaning I think people, including myself just felt like I wanted to be here or there, I should say, and, and be doing something. Um, because there isn't a lot of wins, just doing something felt good. Felt like you were giving some kind of contribution, whether that was staffing a rig at the department or, or actually being out on the line. Um, I think it was actually easier when it, when it uh, affected home. Um, for a depart the department, it becomes a little bit harder when it's somewhere else. And, you know, you're trying, like you mentioned earlier, trying to balance that uh, the priorities of the organization plus – 
you know, that commitment to uh, helping others in need. So, so it really wasn't difficult. I was overwhelmed by the amount of um, commitment. And uh, I think we're, we're, unfortunately, the sad part about that is that in the moment, it's all, it's all good. But now we're looking at five, six years later. And uh, I believe that there's a fallout of that. You know, there's absolutely an emotional fallout of that. And we're dab in the middle of it. Um, you know, we're mandoing people all the time right now, which we've never had to do before. And why is that? It, a lot of it has to do with, you know, it's people just, our members are just burnt out. You know, they, they don't want to work extra days um, if they don't have to. And so although although I'm super impressed with, with uh, you know, the Sonoma County Fire Service and the California Fire Service in the last few years with how we've handled it, um, I don't, I, I think it's going to, it's gonna it's gonna hurt us in the long run. I, I know for a fact. So Chad, I mean, you uh, kind of were again back to to, to flip flop back and forth between uh, operational and organizational. Um, you brought up something that I didn't consider, and it does kind of connect with um, with our backgrounds and the fact that we started out as volunteers. Uh, we worked part time shifts, which was amazing. It was a you know that that kind of with the training wheels on, you know, working, working a shift on the weekend for the pay guys and taking that pride and that discipline in the station and, and caring for things. And then, um, you know, in the California fire service very much at that time, it was volunteer, then seasonal, uh, e- either with CDF or with a local department. My first season was, was at Forestville as a seasonal before I went to Cal fire and, um, you know, then into that career organization. So, you know, you, you talk about organizationally, you, your concerns about starting a hiring process and a, and a recruit academy and, and whether your members will be there to support it. But um, are, you, are you also considerate of, of the candidates that, that you won't have access to people who might be seeking Petaluma versus their organization or, or, or coming from that seasonal world, just, just not even being able to, you know, make it to your, your testing process? Do you feel that, that – these incidents are even impacting your your uh, your hiring pool. Yeah, I mean, that's that. You know, I didn't really, I didn't really speak about that. But the, you have a great point. You know, when you think about interview process or testing process or you know just going through background and psych and poly and all the things that you know we have to go through, um, trying to rely on someone that's which a lot of our candidates are volunteers or part-time people or seasonals um yeah it trying to rely on them to actually be able to make an appointment or be at an interview um we really really unfortunately have to be very cautious about um how we approach you know our hiring processes in the august september october months and to be quite frank, um, it's almost it's almost a, a blocked out you know set a month uh, for the organization because commitment wise you know you just you just got to be really careful um, not to put something you know out there on the counter that's super important because you just don't know you know we just can't we can't rely on people being able to be there or us being there as well so um, bigger 
you know, I, I'm glad we brought this up. You brought this up today and talked about it. Just, it's just, you know, you start to think about it. it. The effects of the wildland season that we're seeing are just so much more than what's on the surface. You know, um, you're right. Organizationally, it it essentially takes away a quarter of your year of progress to some degree um, because, you know, you just don't know. You know, the next day you could be uh, <clears throat> could be in, uh, you know, Sonoma or somewhere trying to save a town. So, so I think your point is, is spot on. All right, buddy. And then, you know, since we just talked organizationally, uh, you've, you've been a part of incident management teams for a while now. Um, uh, you've had time in dispatch in Sonoma County. Like, uh, your experience did definitely, um, you know, outside of the station as an officer, outside of being a battalion chief, you, you certainly did get yourself plugged into this, this, this higher level command, um, and, and communication atmosphere. Um, and we've been focused on, on the fires, but, but again, out there in California, it's, it's, it's multi, I mean, it's floods. It's, it's, it's a, there's a lot of things that, that the instrument teams manage and, you know, a, a great way just keep people constantly engaged. But, um, what are some of the key takeaways that you kind of scaled down from these bigger incidents to, uh, your battalion, your your fire scenes. Um, I mean, obviously, Chief Castro's a great proponent of division and group supervisors, um, managing fire scenes kind of horizontally so that way you guys can be involved and the, the IC can be predicting and, and planning down the line, um, taking those longer-term IMT ideas and, and putting them in the fast lane, if you will, but... Um, how has that shifted? And I know, you know, you, you obviously you were ca- captain at, at or officer at, at Windsor Fire before you moved to, to uh, Petaluma. I mean, how has that influenced um, your work at the municipal level, kind of the things you've been involved with at the state level? Yeah, you know, I can't, there's kind of a, there's been a culture in the fire service, at least around here, um, that I've been trying to, to battle, you know, um, the culture has been, I think it's, I think the fires just kind of helped me change this culture, but that, you know, being going out on the summer months on the engines or being a division or a branch or, you know, just doing these type of extracurricular things, I'll call them, you know, beyond just your normal duties at, at your uh, day job, um, that it was kind of like oh just to make money and go have fun I've, I've heard people say it's a it's a paid camping trip and uh to be honest with you they couldn't <clears throat> that couldn't be any farther from the truth um having these experience like you mentioned whether it be floods or or fires uh, throughout you know throughout california like you said went to new mexico washington um what's really what i've taken from it and, and kind of summarize it, try to shorten it up a little bit, is just a follow-up process. And what I mean by that is, is whether it's a, you know, a residential structure fire or, or a, you know, a grass fire or, or, or an extrication or whatever the incident is, um, scale doesn't necessarily matter. It's, it's just to follow and stick to your process. And, and when you get your team, and what I mean by team is, is whether it's your management team or or your company officers, 
um, when they're all clicking, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> and when when it's all clicking and when people are communicating and and up and down and 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 you're following whatever process you have, it's amazing. It's a, amazing what you can overcome. And I think that's what's been the biggest takeaway for me is uh, you could be up against something that you think is insurmountable. And some days it is, you know, some days you just lose. Um, but when you stick to that process and you communicate, uh, what I've found is, is you're just, your success is, is substantially more. Um, and that could be, that could be just in the day to day, day job, you know, with your BCs and your, and your staff level chiefs and your, all your staff support. Um, I've, I, I communicate much better than I ever did before. I ensure to include more people than I ever would have before um, because sometimes that little bit of information you make isn't important and uh, for safety or for plan shop or PIO shop or whatever shop it is, uh, <laughs> it actually is important. And um, so that's the biggest takeaway for me. Uh, I, I find myself, I find myself coming back from these incidents and, you know, getting a, a run for a residential structure fire or something and pulling up and seeing a room and contents going or fire showing from a window. And I can tell you that it gives you a different perspective where you're like, uh, you know, uh, this ain't so bad. I don't have 500 houses burning and, uh, you know, two strike teams. So, so it, it definitely brings you back home a little bit and, and, and kind of calms your nerves and you realize that, that it, what you have in front of you is is doable, um, but going back, circling back, I can't say enough about the process and just sticking to it, because uh, it's it if you have a successful uh, way of doing things, as long as you stay with that and don't let all those outside injects get you off track, you know, in the end you'll you'll be successful. That's awesome, man. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> The whole the whole point of planning is to try to stick to it. So, um, so right. you know, about takeaways and things, in, and back to you contributing to fire engineering. So when I, you know, look at the the leading during the today's massive wildfires, fires, not wildfires, uh, leading during today's massive wildfires. You you wrote that um, a while back. Uh, fire engineering published it in December 2020, and I know how how that process is. You, you write something, you try to contribute it, you, you submit it to fire engineering. Uh, you're blessed that they publish it, but um, obviously, you know, sent, as soon as you hit send, there's things you wish you would change. But you've now experienced, um, you know, a, a pretty, pretty wild season since then. I mean, last year certainly was, was, was greater than 2020. Um, what what would you, if you could, out of that article, and I'll, I'll encourage uh, everybody listening to, to to tap into that um, that leading during today's massive wildfires from uh, from Chad Costa and fire engineering. Looking back at that, would, is there anything that you you would care to add to that experiences since then, or 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 things that you would like to change now that you have that same audience right here in the show? Yeah, I think I think the most important thing that. I didn't know then that I know now I touched a little bit on it earlier is, um, you know, kind of that, that last paragraph of the article when I just talked about the human factors, you know, and, 
I talk about how we are a family and we should treat it as such. Um, I, I firmly believe that the best chief officers and the best leaders out there are the ones that care the most about not just the organization, but the people that are in it. And, and in 2020, I, I, I don't think I really realized how impactful um, these fires and this destruction that the loss of life, um, I, I really don't think I realized the impact it was going to have, you know, down the line. And uh, when I talk about preparing for today's, you know, preparing for this fire season, that's that's probably the biggest thing that, um, you know, you can talk about preparing operationally and taking classes and learning from from those that have been there or however you prepare, you know, making sure making sure you're you're, you're ready to roll uh, physically and emotionally, but but I just, man, I, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about uh, if this, if this continues. I hope it doesn't. But if this continues, where we see these massive destructive fires that are burning communities down, and you know our firefighters are on the line for months on end, uh, <clears throat> with not much relief to see their kids and take them to sports and all the things that that we enjoy to do, um, I would. I probably would have, you know, spent a little more time writing about that and just uh, I think the leaders in today's fire service really need to, specifically when we're talking about, you know, this wildland fire events and the extended events, really really consider um, the fact that most most people aren't going to say no. You know, most people are going to just keep giving and keep giving because that's what our, that's kind of in our blood. But at some point, you know, we have to step in and say, you know, enough's enough and make sure people get some time with their families and and don't let them, you know, keep heading down that path because uh, the mental health part of it is, is more than I would have expected back then. So, Chad, one thing you, you, you brought up before, and it's not, um, I mean, you, you may not have used this term specifically, but I certainly pulled out of it was, um, kind of the, the the damage that efficiency has done, and I I think we've seen that across the board. Whether with the pandemic, with I mean, we hear about healthcare and, and how we weren't able to scale up for this. Um, we hear about obviously today supply chain issues and whether that's you know uh, hard goods or or firefighters. There's there's just too much that goes into getting materials and, and people ready for the job to just flip a switch on it. Um, so, you know, I, I think efficiency has hurt us in a lot of ways you're talking about, and I hear this frequently from uh, departments across the country. You specifically said it, that we're having the mandatory firefighters at work um, and we've never had to do that before. Um, and, and that is just for day-to-day -day situations. Um, so, you know, I guess your experience, what you're seeing coming, the, the true lack of relief on the horizon, um, there's a lot of departments across the country that are starting to develop and reinforce wildland inter interface companies or teams or even divisions within the department. I see, you know, back in the day, it was pretty much Cal Fire and a few Southern California departments that had seasonal employees, but 
Now you're starting to see that across the board. You're starting to see deputy chiefs of um, urban interface, uh, wildland. And, and this, again, isn't just California. It's, it's, it's Florida. It's New Jersey. It's, it's, it's certainly expanding out across the country. Um, you know, do you, you see that we're on the front end of this becoming a, a larger discipline of the fire service or, or a separate discipline of the fire service? I mean, um, we, we, we had that time at, at Cal Fire. Now you're in the municipal organization. You're, you're having these discussions at the, at the state level with your IMT teams. I mean, what, what are the solutions? So we certainly can quickly point to the problems. Yeah. Yeah, million-dollar question, Brian. Um, you're right. I have these discussions with with a lot of friends and chief officers at other organizations, you know, around the state and outside. And it there's some, I guess there's some comfort in knowing that it's not just Petaluma because um, that war, you know, that's kept me up plenty of nights worried about this topic and what is the answer. Um, I think on the for so first off on the forefront side, and some of the stuff I'm extremely proud of is just the prevention side, like you talked about. Um, is you'd be blown away at, at at how far you know we've come, specifically in this county, which I can talk to, you know, more more have a little more education on than than other places. But just standing up divisions within the department that are handling, you know, wildland inspections and weed abatement and uh, just the resiliency of of your city or your district or your communities um, trying to get out ahead and create those breaks and and uh, and just ensure that when that fire comes you're you're better prepared I mean the city of Petaluma is hand, hiring an emergency manager you know um, it, we should have had one a long time ago but but I'm, I'm just very thankful that now we're going to have somebody that's going to be able to focus on on where we go from here. But specifically getting back to your question and, and are we on the forefront? You know, there may be some departments out there that are, and I applaud them, um, but this is something that's going to be really, <clears throat> going to be really challenging over the next few years, and specifically if we keep going in the way we're going. Um, how do we handle it? And whether it's, whether it's uh, looking at the schedule that we have, whether it's looking at um, building up uh, kind of a part-time, you know, I've often thought about uh, a part, there's a Sonoma Valley Department, which you know you know well. Um, now there's Sonoma Valley Fire. Back in the day it was was a bunch of little departments, but, um, but you know, they have a, they have a surge, they have the surge capacity by, by a part-time staff that, you know, when they send out engines, these people can come in and backfill or backfill day to day. You know, obviously uh, they don't get to shift over the, the the union people or the the career people, but trying to work with our labor group, you know, that's the challenge from a management aspect is is doing these things in conjunction with your labor group so that so that there isn't any contractual um, issues there. But I, I just think the answer when it comes to staffing is is like what you alluded to, um, you know, having that surge capacity, having people that you can um, pull in and uh, boost up or prop up your agency. That's that's really being at the forefront, um, and along with the prevention stuff that I mentioned. 
but uh, it's not. Uh, we don't have it. You know, um, that's part of our problem is is we have minimum staffing, and you know, we're supposed to have two over on every shift. Hiring people is extremely difficult, so that's rare that that's ever actually comes to fruition. Um, but we just don't have that surge capacity, and we don't have the ability to pull uh, <clears throat> into you know from another group of individuals, and it's just the same people getting pulled on. And you know, unfortunately, uh, <clears throat> where we are, where we are, where they're they're burnt out, and um, and so no. I, for my specific agency, you know, we're not at the forefront of it and, and we are behind and we are trying to figure out where to go from here. But I assume I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, we're not the only one out there just trying to scramble to figure out what the answer is for the future. And then, Chad, you, you talk of, uh, you know, um, as far as the you're talking about organizationally uh, agreements with the with labor groups and obviously MOUs with the union, so we we, we can be flexible um, within contract periods. But um, outside of of organizationally specific stuff, you know, and I I will tread lightly on this. You obviously have more experience with it, but um, out of the Tubbs fire, out of California across the board, um, a lot of times the solutions come through consolidation. Um, and, and not just uh, getting access to more resources and expanding your capabilities, um, but really kind of eliminating communication barriers and, and, and resource requests that, uh, you know, get in the way of those, those quick responses. Um, California has always, obviously always had a statewide system predating ICS and a lot of these, these different things, but... Um, I know even with you guys in, in Petaluma, you you have worked um, with other agencies as far as auto aid agreements and, and different things, backfilling stations. What is something that, that you can share as far as some of the lessons learned from the extent of wildfires that, that you've been to? When, when, when you guys leave communities, do, do you see continued trends towards consolidation and, and dependence and auto aid agreements to, to help alleviate these problems in the future. Yeah. I mean, man, take a snapshot of back in the day when we were, you know, sitting backwards in a forceville engine to today. I mean, it's, I'm unbelievably proud of where we're at. I think at that time there was 50, 51, 52, something like that fire agencies in the County. Um, gosh, I think we're down to like, I want to say 10 or less, somewhere in that range now. Um, so 2007, you know, I, what happened was is that we, you know, burned down a substantial part of the county. And it's, you know, unfortunately rare to ugly head that how we're doing it, where everybody kind of had their own kingdoms, uh, wasn't working. And it didn't work. And we learned the hard way. And we've come out, you know, I think much better than we ever were before. Um, the collaboration, the communication, the auto aid mutual aid agreements that came out of 2017 for this county are, are I think, models, you know, models for other counties. I, I know there are counties that obviously were way ahead of, ahead of it than us just because they had their own, their own fires, you know, earlier times. But, um, I, I do believe that 
the collaboration side of things is really important. It's challenging, you know. Um, we deal with that, trying to do more, but kind of limited with whether it be insurance or or agreements between the organizations, you know, got to be in place and got to be done right and lawyers get involved and all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I it's incredible where we've come from and those lessons learned from 2017. I look at 2019 and the Kincaid fire, we, we did much better. 2000, you know, the glass fire of 2020, I guess it was. I'm losing my dates. But, um, unfortunately, Sometimes you got to learn the hard way, and for those agencies out there that that aren't collaborating or aren't working towards consolidation, or aren't working towards um, you know just uh, collaboration and response, uh, you, you're missing the boat because uh, it has been incredible. You know, if I, I can I can turn on my radio right now and say a couple words and have you know, 20 to 30 fire engines at my house and in relatively short period of time, we're talking minutes. So um, the reason it's that way is because it failed. <laughs> it failed at, at one point and, uh, and we've grown from it. So uh, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And I think this county is, is a great example of of how we've come together to, you know, take care of the common good. That's good news, man. That's good news because a lot of my family and friends are obviously still out there. So, well, man, we we try yeah. to keep our show to uh, to an hour. Um, I can't say enough about getting to hang out with uh, with now Assistant Chief Chad Costa, also best man in my wedding and former T-ball uh, baseball teammate, uh, all the way back, yeah. man. I mean, for, for for decades and decades, and it's just. It's just awesome to be here talking with you on the show, um, what you've been contributing, what you continue to contribute. I'll encourage guys to go check out your Facebook page at Assistant Chief Chad Costa, um, your your articles, the the leading, the evacuees, understanding the other side of the fence. I think both, both of those articles with fire engineering are great. Um, I'm going to put it to you that, that you do have to submit for next year's FDIC, make sure everybody out there who's, Who's wanting a ticket to the show, man, man, submit to teach a class, present, workshop, anything, article, get involved with fire engineering. It, it really, really helps further us as a, as a community, as a, as a network and, 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 and keeps us uh, involved in the, in these discussions and, and, and really being the thought leaders of the fire service. So Chad, did I leave anything out? Is there, I know you talked about it. You're pretty much taking, blocking off the books to, to be involved in wildland season, but is there anything else that you have coming up uh, or ways to get a hold of you, websites, anything like that, that we can uh, drive our listeners towards? Yeah, I just wanted to add something, you know, with what you just said is a few years back, uh, Dan Muncy, Chief San Bernardino County, and watching you grow, you know, and write the articles and do the things that you do, I, I think there's kind of a stigma out there that, you know, what we do and what we contribute is, is you know, hard to do or maybe it's a click you got to get into. Um, all those are all those are incorrect. You know, I I really want to echo what you said about, um, you know, 
put the, put the pen to the paper, sit down and, and what your thoughts are out there or what you're thinking or what you can contribute and start submitting. And just, um, it's, it, you know, I'm just a, a dad from Sonoma County, you know, grew up in Forceville. I, I got nothing super special than anybody else. And um, I'm excited, you know, it was, it was blessed to have a couple things published, but yeah, I want to, first off, just want to echo that, that to all the youth out there that are thinking about it, do it. Um, it's 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 a huge it's huge to be able to contribute and be able to put your thoughts into words. And you know, sometimes I go back and read what I wrote and and uh, just kind of put the smile on your face because you know that you did something or contributed something. Um, as far as me goes, um, yeah, I have. I was supposed to go to Firehouse Expo last year. Unfortunately, it seems like you know a lot of the a lot of the big uh, events are during the summer, which is Again, difficult for me to commit to, um, but I do have a website, you know, chadcosta.org. Tried to create that just to kind of put some of my stuff all into one place. Um, and, you know, we'll see. I think as we move forward, you know, as I get a little older, the kids get a little older, you know, I'll be able to contribute a little bit more, but, but life's busy, you know, for all of us. So uh, thank you for having me on the show. It was good talking to you. Wildland is, uh, you know, kind of one of my big passions, and uh, there's something about being out there on the line. Uh, you know, I, I can't really explain it. Uh, you, you've been there. You, you know that feeling. Uh, it's different than structural firefighting. I mean, I love both of them, but just being out in the woods and the country and seeing the Western United States and traveling around and meeting people is has been a blessing and. Yeah, I look forward to these opportunities in the future. Awesome. Thank you very much, brother. And before we go, um, it's going to be tough to get them all, but uh, we certainly would not be here without um, our Sonoma County Fire mentors, the the Franceschi family, um, the Baxmans, the, the, the Captain Jim Moores, uh, Rasmussen's, Bertelli, uh, just so many people who uh, who truly raised us right in the fire service in Northern California um, that that set the course for us to be successful for our, our entire lives. So um, tip the helmet to to small town Northern California, Sonoma County Fire Service, and 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 all that they granted us. Um, probably by bending the rules a little bit by letting 16 and 17 year old kids uh, ride in the back of pickup trucks from the high school to the to the firehouse and throwing them on roofs and inside structures, but, uh, man, the payoff sure was big. So thanks for taking a risk on us, two kids from Forestville. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. Also, Chief Castros for handing me the mic tonight. And anyone who is listening now or who uh, will be listening on the podcast later, um, have a great night. You, uh, you guys have a great fire season, and, uh, and God bless. We'll, we'll see you soon. Uh, be sure to put in for FDIC. 2023 submissions are open. Chad, be good, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Brian. Thank you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.